I would hate to stop the side conversation, but okay. it's getting late. Um, all right, so, yep. so watch your language, you're all being recorded. <laughs> we have uh, a couple of people that, one lady, the lady that asked for the video to be recorded, she can't be here um, physically because she's in a different state. <laughs> so she asked for this stuff to be recorded. Um, and so if you miss something and, or you just fall asleep and yeah, um, uh, it'll be up probably tomorrow. Hopefully we'll see. Depends on how fast I can get it up there. Uh, but let's pray and then we'll be done. Heavenly Father, thank you for this evening. Thank you for the beautiful weather and the, um, the creation that you've given us to enjoy. Um, even in a sinful world, it is still an amazing sight. So I just can't wait to see what it looks like in its full glory and, um, that you created it to be in. Um, but Lord, as we're getting into tonight, moved by your spirit, that we would be on guard for things that we need to be on guard for, to be open to the leading of your spirit as we need to be led. Um, help us to use the minds that you have given us to analyze and dissect and be able to communicate it to others that we have conversations with. Um, Lord, we want to be those arrows in your quiver, so help us to be just that. Um, I ask this in your son's name. Amen. Amen. All right, so last week we gave a little introduction about uh, apologetics, and we covered uh, how we were talking about Sam Harris. Sam Harris is the atheist, um, and we covered two points that he made, or he makes, through it, and we we're covering that, so we're on point thir three. Um, I don't know what page that is. Uh, six. We're page six. We're on page six, um, and we'll be on point three. Uh, and we're just going through. Uh, he makes statements, and those are what I'm calling points. Um, and what we're going to do so tonight, we're going to start with point three, where he makes a statement about people go to hell because they pray to the wrong God. Now we're going to. We're going to listen to that statement so you can hear how he says it, and then we'll go back and we'll talk about it. So last week we did the whole video. Now we're just doing the snippets, okay? Um, all right, so here we go. And worse than that, on Dr. Craig's view, most of these people, many of these people certainly, will be going to hell because they're praying to the wrong God. Think about that. Through no fault of their own, they were born into the wrong culture where they got the wrong theology and they missed the revelation. Okay, there, there are 1.2 billion people in India at this moment. Most of them are Hindus, most of them therefore polytheists. In Dr. Craig's universe, no matter how good these people are, they are doomed. If you are, if you are praying to the monkey god Hanuman, you are doomed. You'll be tortured in hell for eternity. Now, is there the slightest evidence for this? No. It just says so in Mark 9 and Matthew 13 and Revelation 14. Perhaps you'll remember from the Lord of the Rings, it says when the elves die, they go to Valinor, but they can be reborn in Middle Earth. I say that just as a point of comparison. All right. So I lost my little clicker thing last week, so I had to be like the caveman up here. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about. So we're talking about this. This is our point three. Um, 
people go to hell because they pray to the wrong God. All right? Let, let me give you guys just thoughts on that first. What's your thoughts on that? If someone were to say that to you, how would you respond? I would say you're probably not. They're praying to the wrong God. They're not praying to God. Okay. You know, because there is only one God. But they're praying yeah. to a man-made God in a lot of cases. Yeah. Or an imagined God. Yeah. And I would ask them, in a counter-argument, I'd ask them, so, does God send people to hell? <laughs> or do you choose to go to hell? Well, the Egyptians had a God for everything. They had a God for the sun, a God for the grasshoppers, and everything in between. Frogs and everything. So the Indians. Yeah. And that's why God sent those ten plagues to make mockery of their gods. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay, well, let's talk about um, Christian response. So well, the, 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 the other thing is that they're not looking at history. Like the empty tomb and, and all of that. Yeah. Okay. okay so, so let's ask some questions, right? So questions are always the best right, when we're talking about apologetics. So why do people go to hell? This is, so he says people go to hell because, and he gives a reason, they don't pray to the, to the right God. So we need to be able to understand first why do people go to hell, right? Why, why do people end up in hell? So Romans uh, 3.10, does anyone have their Bible on That's what was going to be my reply, go to Romans. Yeah. <laughs> I can pull it out. Okay, if I could get two people, uh, one to read Romans 3 and then one to read Romans 1. So 3.10-18 and Romans 1.18-32. <coughs> sometimes I put them up there and sometimes I don't. I'm sorry. You got one? Yeah, I do. Which one? Um, I've got Romans 3. Okay, so someone get Romans 1 and then we'll... Alright. Uh, go ahead. As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside, together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of ass is under their lips. The mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood in the past that are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Okay. So from that passage, what can we say about why, why people go to hell? They don't worship God. Okay, so it's... They choose to. It's... So there's no fear of, what did you say? No fear of God. There's not a worship of God. They don't seek God. No seek God. Okay, so what are, what are some other things? So, sometimes they all have turned aside to get a baby from So they, they've heard of God, they see God, but they turn aside. Yeah, so yeah. they turn away from God. So it's so every yeah so everything in here is is really on us, 
right? There isn't anything about God um, or praying. Balls in our right? door. Like, yeah. It's it's not that they're praying to the wrong God from the Romans or Romans three. It's they're not even seeking after God, right? And I would say, outside that, Romans three, the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory right. of God. Okay. So, so three twenty three. Right. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's just three. yeah, just right, beyond right that. This. Okay, so the thing which that doesn't say is that people were born sinners and right. we are sinners because we choose to sin. Right. Okay, so I mean, to begin with, right off the bat, we're sinners. All have sinned, fall short of the glory of God. Right. And there's and we don't seek God. God is seeking us. Mm -hmm. I mean, if, it, if God weren't the hound of heaven looking for us to come to him, I mean, he had to go out of his way to send Jesus right. for us. Right. Because, as Paul says, we don't even seek God. We don't even seek God. Yeah. So it, and we turn aside. Yeah. Um, Romans 1. Let's read Romans 1. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all godliness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness, since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God, nor gave thanks to Him, but their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images, made to look like mortal man, and birds, and animals, and reptiles. Therefore God gave them over in the spiritual desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. Amen. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed indecent acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their perversions. I can say it. Due penalty for their perversions. Furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over to a departed mind to do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. Depravity? They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They are senseless, faithless, heartless, ruthless, although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these things, very things, but also approve of those who practice them. That's a lot. 
Yeah. Yeah. But, but one thing jumps out at me. It says, when it says, so they are without excuse. Mm -hmm. And have you ever noticed that in talking to people, and I've talked to many, people have this basic... They always have an excuse. They always have an excuse, number one. But why? Because the basic premise is, I'm a good guy. Right. I'm, you know, I mean, what have I done? I'm not, I'm not a murderer, you know, blah, blah, blah. But they are without excuse. Right. Right. And, and this is the thing. Well, and, and Paul puts in this, in this passage, in his opening to Romans, it's, they don't even need to hear the gospel. It's, it's in front of them, the natural gospel, if you want to, you know. It's the world around us. And that's where it starts, mm -hmm. right? It starts with the creation. The creation is our first point to God. The glory of God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so when we're talking about this, people go to hell because they pray to the wrong God. That is a such a simplistic, ridiculous reason. It's so much deeper than that. And Paul, we just uh, we did it. Um, Jan just read. A lot of why why God gives us over to these things right and it, so it's our choice God gives us things to point us back to himself we don't do it and so we and then once we start getting going it's like a rock going downhill right we just speed up and speed up and continue to sin and continue to sin and we're on that trajectory as John was saying unless the hound of heaven right he comes in, and he's the one that has to stop. Intervene. Yeah, because we can't, because of our sin. And so it's not that, so the Christian response is this, right? It's because they're in rebellion, right? They're in sin, right? Um, against God and his creator. A righteous God cannot allow unrighteousness to continue. Therefore, our condemnation to hell is based on our action against God not God's action against us. Because God, God's action is always life. It's always to restore. It's always to bring about um, peace and justice and mercy and grace. But ours is not. Ours is to go against that. Now we can have... We're the ones that do it to ourselves. Yeah. Now we can have good, by human standards... Um, things, but not by a godly standard, right? And so this is this is the huge thing that we need to get through. We have to, and when communicating the gospel, when communicating with people, we have to get past these superficial. Well, if you just pray to the right God, right? No, it's a deep sin that is the problem, and it's not God saying, "Oh, you." stubbed your toe run one time and you used a curse word, so you're going to hell. That's not the God of the scriptures, right? It's, no, you have rebelled against God. And it's just not one rebellion. It's a complete rejection. And so this is what we need. We need to get past these simplistic ideas. Oh, they just, they don't pray to the right God. No. And it's not just them that is destined for hell. It's every person, right? 
It's not the Hindus because they weren't born in the right. No, it's it's the person that was born in the most Christian time of the world who rejects um, God. And so we need to get that across. And the other thing is, like I said earlier, they have to understand the history that we've got with Christianity. The yeah, resurrection, well, the death, the resurrection, right. all of that. And so that... And it, it was a fact. Right, so we eventually we do need to bring that in. But we need to... The resurrection doesn't make sense without sin. You know, it's called the good news, but with good news there has to be bad news. Right? There's a reason why, and so we have to give people... This is why, personally, I never start with sin. When I, when I share the gospel with people, I don't start with sin. I start with God created. God created us to be in relationship with Him, to be perfect, to be um, doing everything He's called us to do. Then we get to sin. Because we sin, that's why it's all messed up. Right? This is just a snapshot. You know, and what do we need? We need God to come in to intervene. And that's why we have the resurrection. You know, so going that way in a very simplistic way. Alright. So next, we also need to talk about what is the standard of good. Okay. So this is a huge thing. So we talk about sin, right? So a uh, natural question might come up, well, why can't God just, oh, you're all forgiven. You know, start over, you're all forgiven. Just don't worry about everything. Yeah. Because what's the standard of good? And this is really what it is. We're talking about sin, so there's a standard. And even um, what's interesting is we're going through with Sam Harris. He also has a standard of good, right? He's saying, when we first started, he talked about the five million children that were killed, or uh, killed through hurricanes or whatever, right? Why, and we talked about why is that bad, right? We went through the whole relative um, deterministic ideas. And so, what is the standard of good? What, if, if the, it's relativistic or if it's deterministic, it doesn't matter, right? So there has to be a standard for good. So what we need to bring to people's attention is if, if hell doesn't exist, right, there's no justice, right? So like Hitler, Hitler's a perfect, Hitler's a great example because who killed Hitler? It wasn't the tribunals, right, that were held afterwards. It wasn't uh, an allied soldier that took him, right? He killed himself. Yeah, so, where's the justice in that? Right? And if there's no eternal justice, then what stops us from killing the baker on the street to steal his bread? Right? There's no repercussions for the evil, then there's no reason to not do it. In fact, I, I wish I could remember the guy's name, but uh, it comes from the book... Um, our Founding Fathers by Tim LaHaye. And he just quoted a bunch of different um, early American authors um, and writers and stuff like that. And he quoted this one guy saying, um, never elect someone that's not religious because there's no one above them. Mm. You know, so a politician that fears no, no repercussions will do whatever they want. So, 
this is this is what we must talk about. If we would even want to start talking about it, someone wants to come to us and talk about evil and good and God being moral or not, we have to ask the question, well, where do you get your standard? Where does your standard come from? Because it's, it can't come from atheism. Because atheism doesn't have a standard. It's either determined and you can do whatever you want. Say, if, you know. if you're an atheist, you cannot have moral standards. Right. Because nothing is right or wrong. Well, you can, but you have to do something. You have to steal it from somewhere. You have to take it, right? And if we talk, if we talk to an atheist, they're taking morality from God. That's where they get it from. Yeah, because that's the only thing. In fact, there's a guy uh, I shared this before. His name's T uh, Tom Holland. Uh, he is a writer. He's not the Spider-Man. Uh, that's an actor. <laughs> but Tom Holland is a writer, and he is a historical writer. He's an agnostic. Um, and he writes, uh, what was one of the books? He wrote uh, Something Sword. It is about Islam. Um, and he's a fictional writer, is what he is. He's a, a fiction writer, but he is a historical fiction writer, so he does historical studies. And he was on a, a podcast talking about his book, and he's talking to, um, it's called A Conversation, and the opposite of him was N.T. Wright. Uh, he's a New Testament scholar. Um, and Holland stated that as he's writing this book about Greek, uh, Greco-Roman world and Christianity, um, he found that all of his morality comes from the Bible. He assumed it was from the Greco-Roman world. But after he did all this, study, he realized all of them, I am more like the way he said, I am more like Paul than I am Socrates. Okay? Because our morality has to come from God. It can't come from ourselves because we see how that works itself. Yeah. Okay, well, I have a question. Yeah. All right, an atheist does not believe in God, correct? Okay, so there's a lot of semantics. Some atheists will say we lack belief. Well, that's agnostic, isn't it? <laughs> so right, this so is how... Let's, let's just say you don't believe in God. Don't give it a okay. You don't believe in God. Why would you even take a moral code upon yourself? Because if you don't believe in God, then you believe this is the only life. There is no consequences to your actions. You can be as evil as you want. Because when you die, that's it. Okay, so... Maybe that's a law. So an atheist would respond to it because of what's good for society. Or the law. Yeah. So that's that's their... That's their but if there's a law, then there's a moral standard. Right, exactly. And so this is where you go around and around, right? <laughs> and it's, it's coming to this point where you have to, you have to help um, atheists realize where does your morality come from? Where it has to come from somewhere because if it's just again deterministic, then there is no morality. So whatever you do doesn't matter. But if it if it's relativistic, right, then why can't we just change anything? Murder becomes okay, right? Why can't we change that? Yeah, and if you if they get to the point of well, it doesn't help society. Okay, but who cares? Mm -hmm. Right, right, because that doesn't make 
there's no morality. So if you look at it in today's culture, they've taken God out of the schools, out of everything, okay? So these people in major cities across the nation, and all during the summer and into fall, have had unlimited, no restrictions, and no repercussions, mm -hmm. and no consequence to their looting, pillaging, plundering, murder even, mm -hmm. of cops. Uh, if the cops do something, you know, maybe wrong, then, oh, oh, they go to jail, or they get heavily fined, or whatever. But if anybody else, if the, if the people that are, you know, putting on these riots, uh, uh, you know, then they're okay. In fact, the media stays, they don't even cover it, yeah. you know. Well, because this is relativistic. Right, morality. right, exactly. You know, so we see it played out right now. Right. Yeah. All right, so let's, so, so the answer to people uh, go to hell because they created the wrong God is false, right? Yeah. I think we've come to that conclusion. It's not because we don't pray to, or someone doesn't pray to the right God. It's because of our sin. I mean, that's, yeah. all right. Um, let's go to the next one, the next point. Ignorance of revelation. Because kind of this idea of they pray to the wrong God, they're ignorant of revelation. Um, kind of all comes together. So it's ignorance of revelation is our fourth point. Um, and if you don't get it, it'll be up on the next slide after we hear him. Uh, did everyone hear him okay the first time around? Mm -hmm. okay. Okay. So God created the cultural isolation of the Hindus. Okay. He engineered the circumstance of their deaths in ignorance and revelation. And then he created the penalty for this ignorance, which is an eternity of conscious torment and fire. Okay, on the other hand, on Dr. Craig's account, your run-of-the-mill serial killer in America, okay, who, who spent his life raping and torturing children, need only come to God, come to Jesus, on death row. And after a final meal of fried chicken, he's going to spend an eternity in heaven after death. Okay. One thing should be crystal clear to you. This vision of life has absolutely nothing to do with moral accountability. All right. So let's talk about his, his thing of ignorance of revelation. So this is what he says. I want to be clear on what, what he says. So God created the cultural isolation of the Hindus. He engineered the circumstances of their deaths in ignorance of revelation and created the penalty, which is an eternity of torment and fire. Okay, so let's let's talk about this because this is something that I've heard a lot of atheists say. They say, "Well, you're only a Christian because you were born into a Christian nation or a nation that is has Christianity around." Okay, so um, how would you talk to someone like this? How would you answer this? Someone tells you you're only a Christian because you're born into a Christian world. You know, your parents were Christian, or you know, your time frame when you were born, there's more Christian ethics. Um, how would you answer that? Well, it goes right back to what I read that they still have creation, they can still see okay. what God created. 
goes right back to you know, Romans 1. Yeah, I mean, we might live in a beautiful country, but we're, we're not the only beautiful country on earth. Mm, that's for sure. There's a, there's a lot of Christians all over the world. Mm -hmm. yeah, Christianity isn't one nation, it's not a nation, right? I mean, it is. Right? You know what I'm saying. Yeah. But it, it's, it's a very arrogant statement to begin with. He makes some assumptions, jumps to conclusions, mm -hmm. and it sounds logical, it sounds rational, it sounds, you know, hey, th this is, I mean, what, what, an, he's implying, what an evil God, right. what a cruel God to do this. Right. And he brushes aside their accountability, their responsibility. I mean, like you were just saying, there's Christians all over the world. And in India, there's plenty of Christian and there's, communities. Too. And, and even in the dark depths, jungles of Africa, they see the creation of God. They, without any explanation, they realize there's a God, and they feel that accountability. Missionaries yeah. have said. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So let's let's go in that direction because that's where we're going. All right. So I like to point out things like what John just oh, said. So you guys have heard of Siddhartha or Buddha? Okay, so here's a guy um, who was a Hindu, um, and he broke away from Hinduism, and he creates Buddhism, but um, the idea of because you are in a spot influenced by a religion, therefore you will be in that religion. Well, all we need to do is start looking at examples. Here's one. This isn't a Christian, but this is a, 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 an example of someone who broke away from his religion, right? With no prompting, by the way. This isn't like there was Buddhist missionaries, right? It was him. And I always was of the opinion that if there was a Christian missionary, or not, not a CMA, okay, not that, but a, a missionary that was a Christian that was right there, I bet you anything Siddhartha would become a Christian that day. Because of what he was seeking is found in Christ. And so, uh, but, so that's one example. Okay. Um, so here's some scripture. All right. Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. So this isn't, God isn't saying, if you're in the right place at the right time, if I created you and I put you into the right place, then you'll be saved. It says, if you seek me, you will find. But you have to do something with all your heart, right? This isn't, oh, I just, you know, it's a passive idea here. This is God will meet you. Like he, he's already coming after you. And if we respond in any way, God's there. You know, so it's not uh, this thing. And then we go to the invisible qualities that we talked about in Romans 120 about the nature. Right? So everything around us points us. It's not something that is just fluttering by. Right? 
So a couple of other people, you have Helen Keller. So when she was able to communicate, she said that she knew God. She always knew, she always knew God, but she just didn't know his name. Mm. Mm. So here's a lady, deaf and dumb, right? Can't communicate. And when she finally is able to, she, she is introduced to Jesus and she says, oh, I already knew him. I just didn't know what to call him. Okay? So that's Helen Keller. Uh, this group called the I'm horrible with names, so Dinajet, Dinajet people. Anyways, um, so their, their story was they heard from other tribes of the missionary work. So they were all by themselves, and they heard from another tribe that there were some missionaries. This, these people are coming around talking about God, and they sought after the missionaries. They went after the missionaries. The missionaries didn't come to them. Now, there's stories um, about, um, I didn't put it up here, but there's stories about uh, a group in, um, I believe it was in the Congo, and the missionaries went out to them. So, uh, it might be the same thing John was talking about. Um, they went out to this tribe, the missionaries did, and they started talking about Jesus, and they said, oh, we worship him. We just didn't know his son. And so, little things like that. Um, so there's this guy, he's a Muslim, or was a Muslim, they called him Muhammad. Um, uh, he was called the Prince of Isis when Isis was in full power, okay? Uh, this comes from a story from a missionary. Uh, so he was raised in radical Islam. He taught the Quran. He wasn't just some run-in-the-mill. This is a fighter of Islam, a jihadist, who taught others to follow Allah. All right, he sought after Jesus because he heard there was a missionary in town. And he, he got the guy's number, said, I can't tell you my name, but I want to know about this guy named Jesus. Could you meet me? The missionary, they set up a time, it was at night. He went there. The missionary said, fully expecting he was going to die. Mm. Yeah. But the guy asked about Jesus. He was able to share the gospel. He accepted Jesus. And now the guy's going to his jihadi friends and sharing the gospel with them. What else are you trying? Yeah. What? That's going to be dangerous. Yeah, pretty This is, this is, but they only gave his name as Muhammad. They said his name's not Muhammad, but we wanted, that's the name. So this is, so it's the statement, they're Christians because they're, or they're not Christians because of, they're not in this, is false. Yeah. It's a are we are we willing to seek for God because God is not far to be found. That, yeah. I was just thinking too in the beginning, did he grow up uh, even though his mom Jewish? His mom was Jewish. And then so he's saying his father was Quaker. These you know, he grew up in your household and that's essentially what you are, but then here he is as an atheist when he called Quaker. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right, and this is the thing. It's like, and this is would be a good thing is to ask someone that was an atheist, where did you grow up? Yeah. And if they said, well, I grew up in a Christian home, well, but you're not a Christian, <laughs> right? Or if they say, well, I grew up in an atheist home, and say, well, or you could say, so you're saying that you're an atheist because you grew up in an atheist. So you really don't. It's not that 
you studied and rejected Christianity. It's because you were there. You can always turn this on people. You know, so that's why it's important to know, talk to someone about their background. Um, because, yeah, you can, if, if they say something like this, it's like, where'd you grow up? You know, it's, this is a two-way street. Yeah. So. Is there any kind of like they haven't heard about Christianity? Well, from what I've seen, um, Christians that, that turn, they usually, like, we did a whole series of this last year, right, in the fall, about uh, a Christian pastor who said he walked away from the faith. And when we went, he gave a list of reasons why, and we went through that list, and we answered every single question. And, he's, and because he said that, no one could answer these questions. Well, we went through it. We took, was it like six weeks or something like that? We went through the whole thing. And usually what I've seen with, with Christians that reject the faith, they, never, they didn't have it. Mm -hmm. They had a semblance of it. Mm -hmm. But they never sought. They never sought after Christ. Mm -hmm. What they did was they sought after a position. They sought after a, a culture of Christianity. You know, and they had that. Sought after that which tickled their ears. Yeah, and they rather than the true Christ. Well, and this this can also be a problem with pastors. Pastors will so often say, "Hey, if you just say this one prayer, then you're saved." <laughs> right? Like, there's nothing that needs to happen afterwards, no. and that's a disservice mm -hmm. to people because Christ has come and follow me. Right? Mm -hmm. This is. Yes, your, your acceptance of Christ is the, the justification. You are standing before God. But Jesus says you'll know them by their fruits, right? It's a, it's, you'll see it in their lives. This is something that happens. It's a nat really, it's a natural thing, right? As we seek God, the Holy Spirit dwells, you know, that whole stuff. Um, and so this is the thing is, I... I, when someone says, well, I was a Christian once, but I reject, I, I reject the idea. It's like, okay, let's talk about what it meant to be a Christian to you. Let's really get into that. Because I've never encountered someone that said that, and it was, I had a, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's always, well, my pastor didn't, you know, he ran off with some woman, and I didn't like that. Yeah, and so therefore, yeah, I like, reject you. Yeah, so therefore I reject him. Like, good thing God doesn't reject you for any <laughs> For your sins. Yeah, I will come back again because you rejected him. But, you know, so. All right, so let's talk about point five, and I think we're going to end with point five tonight. The double standard here is kind of what we're talking about. Okay, so we'll talk about that, double standard. And please notice the double standard that people like Dr. Craig use to, to exonerate God from all this evil. Okay, we're told that God is loving and kind and just and intrinsically good. But when someone like myself points out the rather obvious and compelling evidence that God is cruel and unjust because he visits suffering on innocent people of a scope and scale that would, would embarrass the most ambitious psychopath, okay, we're told that God is mysterious. Who can understand God's will? Okay, and yet this is precisely, this merely human understanding of God's will is precisely 
what believers use to establish his goodness in the first place. You know, something good happens to a Christian. Some, he feels some bliss while praying, say. Or he sees some positive change in his life. And we're told that God is good. Okay, but when children by the tens of thousands are torn from their parents' arms and drowned, we're told that God is mysterious. This is how you play tennis without the net. Okay, and I want to suggest to you that it is not only tiresome when otherwise intelligent people speak this way, it is morally reprehensible. All right. So he says there's a double standard. So this is what he says. God visits suffering on innocent people on a scope and scale that would embarrass the most ambitious psychopath. All right. Well, it's God's fault. Yeah. <laughs> right, and this is actually what Adam does in the garden, right? He says, the woman you, you, you gave me, you created for me, this is just what we do. If we can't blame one person, we're going to blame someone else, because it's never us, right? We never thought. just want to point out, have you ever noticed, I mean, from the, from the get-go, doesn't he, with his head half-raised all the time, doesn't he look diabolical to you? Doesn't, doesn't he look like a snake? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's a that's a way of doing it, right? It's to kind of be like, haha, we're in on you you that agree with me are in on a joke here, and the joke is the Christians. You know, because that's what we do when we're we're um, being not not necessarily deceitful, but we do do when we're deceitful, but more of like, hey, you, you get what I'm saying? Well he's the one against the one guy, I, I forget his name, Doctor. Craig, yeah. And, it, and it, point by point by point, all these points are something that he said. And he's, or supposed he's to be said. dialed in on that. I, yeah. He's got tunnel vision, right? Yeah. Down the, I'm glad so. I wasn't in that audience because I'd have been afraid of fire falling. <laughs> <laughs> no, you would have been pl praying for lightning for nothing strike you. Okay, so let's talk about this. Let's talk about this idea of visit suffering. Okay? Or this is the idea of suffering. Visit sufferings goes to or stays with someone, visits upon someone. Because that's not language that we use in modern English, visits. Right? And so it's it's weird. I always find it weird when people use language that you don't normally use. It's like um, I was actually reading a quote. We're going to have a quote on Sunday from a progressive and uh, progressive Christian believer, and uh, they use this word, and I'm like, I've never heard that word. What is it? It's like, uh, it's, it's feket. Feket? It's weird. It's F-E-C, I think it's U-N-D, feket. But it's pronounced weird. Like, and it just means planted. I'm like, just use the word planted. <laughs> like, so I'm trying to show your Superiority, but anyways, uh, visit suffering. Okay, so we need to know what that means. Um, but the question is, is does he visit suffering? Well, um, can someone pull up Psalm forty six? This is um, sorcerers uh, back in like in Sunday school for sorcerers. He's going to bring the Bible to me. Taking too long. <laughs> 
I'd be curious, brother, how many people in here were raised in Christian homes? That kind of One, two, three. No more. Yeah, more. Busy I was a nominal. Part <laughs> <laughs> that negative. Do you want me to read it? Yeah, read it. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way, and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, and the mountains quake with their surging. <laughs> there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her, she will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in an uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to end the earth, ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So the question I always have for people that get into this idea that God just wants people to suffer is do you know the God of the Bible? Because the God of the Bible, does, that's not his plan. It's this. He's long suffering. Yeah, it's, it's a desire for peace. It's a desire to shatter these things that are in this world, that wars and things like that. In fact, um, I, I can't remember the address on it. I believe it's in Isaiah, but I could, uh, I'm probably wrong. Uh, it talks about God bringing in calamity. And the idea that the calamity that's talking about isn't like God doing calamity, but rather the idea of when God moves and well, and people are in rebellion, calamity happens. It's like what he tells the Israelites. He says, if you keep and follow my rules, you get into this contract with me, right? If you don't follow them, bad things will happen, right? If you follow them, good things will happen. So it's really, what are you going to do? Are you going to follow God and, and see the blessings, or are you going to follow, not follow God? Are you going to welcome him to visit suffering? Yeah. <laughs> he has a cynical mindset. And if you start out with a false presumption or assumption, then you're going to come to a false conclusion. Right. And that's what he's done consistently and right along. And you can do that with anything. Right. right. Well, well the, the thing is, is this guy is big to a lot of people. And so as we talk with people, these ideas are being filtered into them. Mm -hmm. And so it's, we're supposed to help them, right, be able to, no, 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 this guy says this, but let's actually look at what the Bible says. Let's see what kind of God God says He is. Okay, so it's it's getting people. Yeah, He He has this idea, but let's see if it's true, right? It's we have to. This is why it's all challenging. This way, go back to scripture. And you know, brother, every uh, people are looking for a leader to take what John was saying, 
And I come from Indiana where uh, Jimmy Jones mm -hmm. had a church in Indianapolis. And I knew some people that knew some people that went to the church and they said at one point he was straight up and down, okay, on the word. Yeah. But they drank the Kool-Aid. They drank the Kool-Aid. Yeah. So yeah. someone led someone astray real right. quick. Yeah, and it doesn't take much, right? Mm -hmm. yeah, because once we get into our own self, then we start, and this is what a lot of the pastors that get off, right? They, mm -hmm. Especially the, the bigger the church, or just, it doesn't matter how many the churches, it's the, do I want to embrace my own godhood? Yeah, and that's what he was doing. Yeah. You know, he was setting himself up as God. Right. And he knew what was best for the people. And, yeah, and, and people gravitate to that because... We gravitate to worship. Right. We'll worship anything. But yet, it was their responsibility as individuals to right. know the Word of God and follow that God of the Bible and not drink Kool Aid. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, who's wrong? All of them? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all of them. All of them. Okay, so let's talk about this next part. It says innocent people. But we've, we've already kind of talked about this, right? Um, who's innocent? Yeah, what standard do you use? Right. What's what's what, your standard of innocence? Where, where does your morality stop and your immorality begin? Right. Because there's a um, there's a, a postmodern uh, literary idea that talks about every every character is someone's bad guy, even the heroes. Like this is an idea in postmodern literature that you might have. Okay, let's say Frodo, okay, uh, using Lord of the Rings, because that's what he uses, right? Frodo is a hobbit, he gets the ring, and now he is going to Mordor to throw it into Mount Doom, right? He is the hero of the story, in a sense, there's hope. But, Boromir, uh, he is a... Um, uh, prince of Gondor, one of the cities, and he comes, and at one point he wants the ring, and he wants to use it to protect his city. Frodo doesn't give it to him, and Boromir dies. Spoiler. Um, <laughs> he dies. Well, think about this. Could Boromir use that ring to protect his city? Maybe for a time. So Boromir he is a bad guy to Frodo, but to another way of looking at it, this is the postmodern idea, is that Frodo is the bad guy to Gondor. And that's, that fits within this idea of, you know, we talk about innocence. Well, when you're in a relativist idea, who sets up what's innocent? Because really, what what is innocence at that point? Compared to what? Exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. and that see this is why we come back to this idea that it's morality is taken from God, right, and then corrupted, just like everything else. And people say, well, God's doing bad things to innocent people, and it's like, how can you take something from God and then say, God, you're doing it wrong, <laughs> right? If you go back to the Garden of Eden, there was innocence. Mm -hmm. But God says, uh, God tempts, the Bible says God tempts no man. Mm -hmm. And yet, 
they were tempted when sin was found in them, like Satan being Lucifer, perfect angel of beauty. He was perfect until sin was found in him. And pride was what took him down. But, you know, Adam, uh, well, it started with Eve. Eve succumbed to the temptation of Satan. And Adam chose to follow Eve. Uh, because of their own, and they didn't have sin natures. They were, if you want to talk about the epitome of innocent people, there they were, innocent people, until Yeah, but they sin. saw that they could live forever, or yeah. they, could, they could have knowledge. Yeah. Well, they be God. Equal to God. Yeah. So, so we need to ask the question, who determines who is innocent? But again, by what standard do we judge this? Are we not tainted in some way with our own selfish desire? Well, Islam has all the judges by he, he weighs your your good deeds and your bad deeds, and if your good deeds come up just a little bit above your bad deeds, you go to heaven or paradise, and if not, you go down. You know that, that's how he does it. But who determines that? Um, in Islam, and we'll actually yeah. get into this, that um, there's Quranic verses that say that it's not even that. It is Allah chooses before you're even created to either send you to hell. Yeah. That's what they all say. They yeah. say, uh, yeah. my good will outweighs my bad, so that's why I'm yeah. one, one branch of it says that yeah, Allah chooses whether you're going to paradise or not, no matter what you do. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, okay, so. So let's go to the next one. So we're, this is what he says. We're told God is mysterious. Who can understand God's will? So let's talk about at least one thing. The Ninevites and Jonah. So the story of Jonah is that he was called by God to go to the Ninevites, to the Assyrians, um, people that did not like the Israelites, um, eventually killed, uh, destroyed the northern kingdom of Israel. Um, and so God says, hey, I want you to go to the Ninevites and tell them that they need to repent and turn from their wicked ways or I'll destroy them. And Jonah says, I'm going to go take a vacation. It's not that the will of God is mysterious. The will of God is actually pretty straightforward. Right, it's that God wishes that all men would repent. Mm -hmm. That is that is a clear will of God. Right, and so when we talk about the mysteriousness of God's will, what are we really talking about? The will of God is real simple. Right, it's that we would love Him and love each other as ourselves. And this is Jesus. Says, all this rests right. This is what can be summed up, if you want to say it that way. Right? And so, this idea that God's will is mysterious. In fact, in Romans 12, 1 and 2, Paul says, basically, we can know the will of God. And how we do that? Read his word. Yeah, we're, well, we're transformed is the way Paul says it. We're, 
we are living sacrifices. We dive into God's word. We, the Holy Spirit moves us into that, into it. And so we can understand God's will. Now, particulars is what we're talking, is actually what he's talking about. Mm. It's the particulars. Why did, uh, I was driving perfectly fine, and this guy hit me. I was doing everything I did was right, right? Mm-hmm. And the guy hit me. So now we're talking about, not the will of God, but the, the particulars of the will of God, right? And so now, I don't think, to me, a, a lot of stuff that we encounter isn't going to be mysterious for long. There are mysterious things that we won't know until others uh, so of heaven and maybe not even know. But there are things that we can look back on. I can tell you why um, God allowed me to get caught when I was 15 years old with a bunch of computer parts. Yeah. Gas. Um, you know, I, I know why. Yeah, he said, Romans 1, go ahead. I'm turning you over to your own desire. And because of that, that was one, one reason, I turned to him. It's, that's not mysterious. Now, at the time, I'm like, why is this happening? Poor, poor, pitiful yeah. me. Yeah, right. I'm innocent. Poor, pitiful me. <laughs> right? Now, looking back, I can see, oh, I, I, I can see I clearly see now yeah. the will of God. Because I was going off into my own destruction, and he says, fine, go that way, and we'll see what happens. And we saw what happened. I'll see you later. Yeah. yeah. He wasn't far from me. He was still there. But he said, okay, you want to do this, this is yours. It's not that God's will is mysterious. Is that we tend to look at ourselves and go, I was innocent in this whole situation. Why should I have had this done? And God's like, how about come closer? Yeah, my will is to get you closer. And this is why I've always uh, the belief that it's better to learn the lesson prior to the, to the time when you need to learn the lesson. Because, yeah. So if I'm learning to be close to God now, when that test comes, or that thing comes, one, I won't be going off into my own things, first off. Second, if I do go into my own things, well, whose fault was that? Mm-hmm. That wasn't the mysterious will of God. That was the idiotic. That was a mysterious it's the mysterious action idiocy. on you. Yeah, it's the idiocy of your mind. was mysterious is why did I do that? <laughs> well, yeah. it, it is God's fault because he gave us the ability of choice. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that does come into a, a, something that we... We can talk about right it's, it's this comes back to the idea of where does evil come from which we're not going to be talking about on this well we weren't created as robots we're created as free moral agents well we're not going to get that <laughs> we have more to do just in point five all right so he says this when a christian has a has feeling of bliss god is good but when children are torn from their parents arms and drowned word told God is mysterious. <laughs> so, the question for us is when is God good? All of time. Yeah, this is the Always. this is what the scripture says, right? God is good. Like, this isn't... So, um, is it only when good things happen or is it he, or is he good even when bad things happen? Right? And this is actually something that we as Christians need to embody is the trust 
when something bad happens, and a perfect example of this is what's going on right now in our political system, right? And the whole um, voter thing. What happens to our faith if Trump gets elected? What happens to our faith if Biden is elected? Was God good in one circumstance and not good in the other? But he still directs the hearts of the kings. Yeah. So it, it, God is, is doing this, right? He is the one that's doing this, but we have to ask, is he still good? Yes. Sure. Yeah. He's always good. Yeah. It's, again, it goes back to who, who voted those people. Uh, but, you know, I'm, the idea here is it doesn't matter if we're driving down the street and I get hit by a car. God is still good. His goodness is not predicated on the the moment in time. I knew so. But see, that's an irrelevant question, really, because God has always been good. That He is perfectly good. He is righteous, pure, holy. That is His nature. Man sinned and brought upon himself the consequences of a fallen world, and that we have to live in. And if we look around, it's all around us. And, you know, it's not God's fault. It's our fault, but we don't want to take responsibility. Right. And this is what we're saying. It, it doesn't matter the situation. God is good. Yeah. This isn't, uh, sometimes he's good, sometimes he's bad. That's, if we want to even give ourselves a little credit, that's us. We're sometimes good, sometimes bad. And really, even our best, Isaiah says, it's stained like filthy rags. The heart is continually of evil. Yeah, we're not, even in our good, there's always a, a selfish reason, a, a purpose <laughs> to sucks. our good. That sucks. It does, but it's the reality, right? And so it's not God, right? It's not God. And in fact, um, there, there's a great, um, well, in this passage, this comes from the um, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about the rain on the just and the unjust, right? But I love the story, and I can't remember where it is, but Jesus is asked, I think it's in Luke. Oh, I'd have to look it up. It's a real small section. Um, and But anyways, it's one of those few times in the scriptures that were given a, um, uh, what's it called, uh, a current event in the New Testament. Well, that was in Matthew. Wasn't it Matthew? Don't do that to me. No, really. <laughs> I think I don't know. Um, but Jesus is asked about a tower that falls. Right. Yeah. And so the tower falls, and the disciples like, you know, what did they do wrong? What was your sin? And Jesus just responds to them, basically, that's what happened. The question is, is what about you? <laughs> right. Yeah, he turns it on. And he's like, "What's your sin gonna cost?" Right? It's it's don't these things happen? Bad things happen to good people. Yeah, yeah, good people, right? Well, yeah. It's it's has nothing to do with that. What are you you personally? Are you trusting in God? Are you following God? Because even in those bad things, God was still God is still good. It's this world is fallen. Bad things happen. They're, it's not that they're outside of God's will, but it's kind of like the idea of 
where do you stop? I, I don't know if we eventually talk about this, but where do you stop? If we were going to say, well, kids shouldn't get hurt, right? Is this what we're talking about? Kids shouldn't get hurt? Listen, where do you stop that? If God, if God's like, okay, kids don't get hurt. Kid runs into the street, gets hit by the car, but he bounces away like nothing happened. And this is what kids do, right? When, does, when should God stop that? The five-year-old, that's fine, but what about the six-year-old? What about the 11-year-old? What a right? shock when it is Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's for sure. Um, but if you don't, if there's not a consequence, one, you'll never learn. Right? And when, if, let's say it's at 11 years old. Let's say 11 year old in this, this made-up world, they, for their whole life, have been getting hit by cars and just bouncing off. They turn 12. What's in their mind? Bulletproof. Yeah, I'm just gonna bounce right off, right? So it wasn't. That isn't good. God uh, keeping them from harm is not good. So there is an evil God. I mean, you you're just running around in the same idea. He's mysterious all of a sudden. Yeah, but no. Now it's God allows these things to happen. Why? One one reason. Teach us. Mm -hmm. That's the, that's the whole purpose of our pain receptors. Something's wrong. Don't do that. <laughs> and there's laws of nature set down too. Right. Yeah. God puts in these these things and says, "Okay, stay out of traffic." Yeah. Right. Like a parent. You know, we don't walk across it. We don't run across the street. Why? Well, because there's a car. You teach your children. It took us forever to teach our children to look both ways. Right here, because in the saw Dad doing that. When uh, because in the summertime. There's nothing. And you can just walk across the street. And there's nothing. In the wintertime, there's cars going all the time. Mm -hmm. And you, we had to teach our children, you got to look. And Izzy was notorious for not looking. Mm -hmm. yeah. It doesn't matter how hard you beat that kid. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But here's the, okay, so we just talked about all this stuff. What's a Christian response, right? We're not innocent. We have sinned. Right? We live in the fallen world, so bad things happen. Okay? God is good even when the bad things happen. Right? He is our refuge. His goal is not to just punish us, but rather to bring us to himself. Right? So what is the atheist alternative? This is, this is a big thing, because it's easy to attack someone and say, this is what's wrong with your belief. Right? But one thing that you... You don't know. Well, you can't find in this. In this is him saying, "Here's what I believe." Right. Right. right? Mm. So as Christians, we can say that because God's true. Doesn't matter what I'm talking about, right? As long as I'm talking about His Word and what He says, I'm always going to be right. Mm -hmm. So I don't have to fear being wrong. But, so, I, I like to ask people, what, what would be your alternative to this guy? Okay, so this is an alternative. Okay, this guy, his name is Nicholas Claremont. Um, he writes this, uh, it's a, an article, it's called, No, Everything Does Not Happen for a Reason. Okay, so he is a, an atheist, and he's saying, <coughs> it's random, okay? So he says, I personally simply cannot imagine how it might be a good thing to tell myself 
if I were to indulge in wishful thinking, uh, wish thinking, that everything happens for a reason. The only conclusion is that whoever or whatever designs and plans those reasons is utterly cold, capricious, capricious, heartless, and cruel. So what is the atheist alternative? Random chance. Yeah. Nothing that cares for you. I'll take my God. And this is the thing. So if the Bible says that God desires for us to come to Him. That's His desire. So if something enters into my world that I don't like, I have a, a question to ask. Did I cause it first? That should always be right. Did I put this on myself? Or, God, what are you teaching me? Mm -hmm. but for, for a Christian, it's simple. Did I bring this on myself? Or what, what are you teaching me? Or both. Mm -hmm. You know? And because God's still good. His goodness shines through when we're, when we're seeking His will. Because right. His will isn't... It, it's mysterious on the details. It's not mysterious on the purpose. Okay? But, on the other side of that, on the atheist side, so on the Christian side, you have a loving God that cares deeply for you, wants you to come and be with Him. And if anything that happens, He is in control. Or the alternative, which is cold, as he says, capricious, capricious heartless, heartless, and cruel. But the thing is, it, it just amazes me that if he doesn't believe in a God, what is he talking about? Then what is he talking about? He's, he does believe in a God, yeah. and he believes that God, that God that he believes in, is cold, capricious, heartless, and cruel. That's no. the God that he believes in. No, no, no not this guy. No, what he's talking about is determinism. That's what he's talking about. He's saying the only well, so he says, whoever, whatever. whatever. He's, he's, he's saying this, plan. whatever this is. No, I, I, I hear what you're saying, but he's really saying he's really. Oh, okay, saying, I see. You're interpreting. Okay. That, that's right. He's really saying this is the God I believe. Right. Yeah. This yeah. is this is because yeah. it's whoever my official whoever position designs yeah. plan. But God has created every one of us to worship. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. And so what he really truly believes, as I interpret it. Right, yeah, I understand what you're saying. That, that this is, this this is, is his God. The God that he believes yeah. in. Right. He believes in this cruel, heartless yeah. thing. He says he doesn't. That's his yeah. official yeah. position as an atheist. Right. But Yeah, right. This is his God. Yeah. Whoever yeah. whatever designs and plans. Yeah. Yeah. So this, but this is the thing: is when we talk this idea of a double standard, it really is a double standard because, yeah. because yeah, our standard is, is God, who is good, seeks people, mm -hmm. desires right. them, right. Get, is pushing them into Himself, and then it's did they turn, right? Or the other standard is who cares? Yeah. It happens because, guess what, the world's cruel, and and this is really, when we talk about our, our world religions and world views, of course, we talk about, if you watch it, it goes from theism to deism to agnosticism to atheism to nihilism. Once you get into nihilism, there's nothing. There's this. Yeah. It doesn't matter. And there's only two alternatives. Either you become God, you decide what happens, or... You end it. Mm 
Those are the only two mm -hmm. options. And because we as humans can't live in this state, we might say we do, right? But they can't. You can't, because this is a hopeless world. And it goes everything, this is when um, scripture says that God puts eternity into the hearts of man, this goes against all that. It sounds like he's putting hyperbole into it. Right? Yeah. He doesn't really. I don't think he really. Thinks. It's one thing to say you think something and to live it. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is why it's so important for us as believers to say God is good and then to live it. Mm -hmm. yeah. All right, so we're going to end there. Next week we're going to tackle this where he says it's the. The, oh no. Uh, Christianity is a profession narcissism. of narcissism. <laughs> so, real quick, um, today is Veterans Day. Uh, who is a veteran here? Well, uh, thank you guys for your service. Thank you service. very much. <laughs> uh, appreciate it. Uh, you serve us and you serve God by serving us. Uh, thank you. Yeah. We appreciate it. Uh, well, let's pray and then we'll do that for the night. I'm sorry we went a little over. Get these points done. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you for um, for those that have served us um, many different ways, especially in our military. So I, think, uh, I praise you for John and thank you for standing here. I thank you so much that uh, they stood when other people would not. Uh, Lord, I I ask that you protect our men and women that are in harm's way uh, and put themselves into that. And so, Lord, I ask for protection. And as we're getting to the holidays, Thanksgiving coming up, and then Christmas, Lord, I, I ask that you be with them. Show them your, your glory and peace and move by your spirit that they would know that you love them above, um, above all the pain and and the, being away from family, that you are there with them. Um, Lord, thank you for tonight, thank you for the interaction that we've had. Father, if you bring anyone into our into our lives that hold these ideas, um, these are just equipment, these are just arrows. Um, so Lord, move by your Holy Spirit, because we can't, we can have all the knowledge in the world, but Lord, it means nothing if you're not moving those words and you're not moving that heart um, so lord do do that we ask that you prepare us for those encounters and lord we ask that you're preparing i know you're already working in lives so lord i ask for the, the preparation of those conversations and father i pray for everyone in here as they're going home tonight would you protect them uh, keep their vehicles running well and keep them safe Lord, but help us, help us as your people to follow you. No matter what this world, what's going on in this world, no matter if it's, there's pain and suffering, help us to cling ever to you so that our light can shine among men that we yes. trust in the living God. Yes. And so, Lord, help us to do that. We praise you because you've given everything to us. It's all by grace. And so, Lord, Praise you. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you do on our behalf as our advocate. And Lord, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. He does all the work, and we get to experience the joy of it. So, Lord, thank you. And ask all this stuff, all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.